this thing on? Hello? Is anybody there? Did you forget about us? It's the Selby is Godcast. Back from the dead. Zach Meisel. TJ Zuppi. What's up, buddy? You know, you use that theme song. It didn't really work out so well for him in the end. So if that is for the podcast itself, probably not good. If it's for me, probably not good. So, yeah, I'm not sure how to take that. Well, you just need, you can be the Bischoff to my stone, Sheriff Stone Cold. Was that what it was? <laughs> Everything that that dude touched ended up failing in the end. So, again, I come back to it. <laughs> you want me to play the Bischoff role. It ain't going to work out in the end, I can promise you. I've read the story. I've seen the movie. <laughs> I lived it every single week on multiple occasions. Look, we don't know the future of this podcast, the present of this podcast, but we've heard from so many of you begging us. Honestly, I hear, I don't know about you, TJ, I hear from people every single day who say, can you please just give us a podcast? And it probably doesn't help that uh, the state of the team People want to listen so they can vent and they want someone to commiserate with. And I think they've been missing us if we can pat ourselves on the back a little bit. And we, you know, we figured hey, let's let's fire it up because this is as good a time as any. Well, people usually when they're tweeting at me, they tweet about me like in the past tense as if I've passed on, as if I have left this earth. I'm no longer on this plane of existence. I'm beyond the veil. So... When you say people tweet at you and say, where's the podcast? Is it ever coming back? If I am included in that, and you I are. was one half of the tag team champions. Of the uh, world. Um, I, yeah, it, people normally just tweet about me as if I have, I, I'm no longer on. Yeah, here. so we're back to talk about the controversial debate going on with Alabama right now. And that, of course, is could Alabama beat the Indians? <laughs> I was about to get my 500-page uh, report here and slam it down on the desk. Let's go. No, I mean, it's <laughs> – where do we start right now? It, this The team is 25 and 23 as we record this on an afternoon. What day is it? Thursday? Thursday. Um, and you would think the way fan sentiment is, the way the team apparently turned off its Instagram comments, like – the way things are going, you would think this team was a dumpster fire sitting in last place. When did and they turn off their Instagram comments? When did that happen? I believe this morning. I think they might have turned them back on. I don't know. I think they tweeted some today about airing grievances around noon. That was a scheduled tweet that gets sent out. Yeah. Uh, I didn't check those mentions, but I'm willing to bet they probably aren't pleasant at this point. No, and it's hard to argue... That they should be. Well, see, they said that out and they said, let's air all the grievances and start fresh tonight. The thing is, by me tweeting a really angry tweet at the Cleveland Indians, it ain't going to fix who's hitting cleanup. It ain't going to fix who's hitting fifth. It ain't going to make them not hit 230 or whatever they're sitting at today. Not as if batting average is all that matters, but still, it's a pretty glaring issue when you look at the offense right now. Not a lot of clear-cut answers, and so while venting frustrations might make you feel better, it only does until 6-10, and then you have to see the starting lineup and hope that somehow the turnaround happens. Have you ever watched a team where if you look at the lineup and you see you're hitting cleanup that day, 
you fear for your life because you might be unemployed the next day? Well, yeah. Yeah, I remember the 2011 version of the Indian. When was Jose Lopez? Oh, God. Hitting cleanup. Yeah, 2011? Shout out to Nick Camino, uh, now at Channel 3, who has uh, fly ball home runs hit to his doorstep every single day. <laughs> so, He'll never yeah, I mean, this. I have lived that. We have lived that. We have seen that. But it wasn't a team that was supposed to compete like this one was supposed to. So I think the reason why what, – what's, what's crazy to me is – this is supposed to be the year of the Indian summer, and it's supposed to be a party in Cleveland for the next few months. You're hosting the freaking All-Star game. You know, you're, you're supposed to have Jose Ramirez in the Home Run Derby, Lindor as the ambassador, welcoming everyone to his city. And instead, the dude who's the ambassador is, like, going to be on the trading block in a couple months because you don't know what you're doing, and you might have to have a fire sale, and, or, or you're going to trade him this offseason. Wait, the are dude you, are who you establishing that today? Well, hold on. The dude who was supposed to be in the home run derby, I think, has four home runs this season, hitting a buck ninety, and just looks completely lost. And, like, who who's going to be an all-star? Brad Hand? Shane well, Bieber? You say that like he hasn't been pretty good. No, I, I know, but, like, this was supposed to be the year where Roberto Cleveland Perez. was the, the, the centerpiece, the, the focus... The epicenter of the league, and... You said Roberto Perez is going to be an all-star, and I raise you that he might be in the home run derby. (laughs) It's a mess. It wasn't supposed to go like this. Does it ever go like it's supposed to go? So we haven't had a podcast in two months, so should we go back and recap every single game? No! And see how we got here? No, you shouldn't do that. All right, so opening day, it was Kluber against Berrios, and the Indians had two hits. They lost... I mean, how, how did we get here? You know how we got here. We spent almost every day of the winter talking about all the potential pitfalls and things that could happen. The problem. How did no one else see it then? How did the front office? Like, well, they did those guys it. are smart. They know. They knew it was coming. I mean, maybe not to this extent, but they knew it was happening. They had their con- constraints. They had what, what was placed upon them by ownership. And they were going to try to, as they said, you know, compete at both ends where they're going to be. Winning a division at the same time, they're also trying to extend their window. And it is really difficult. Have they done either? It's difficult to do that, period. It's really difficult to do that when a Twins team that's now in front of you in the standings has everything that could go right for them almost has. True. They've got confidence now. And I was talking to a a writer that covers the Twins. I I still have my doubts about them. I don't think they're going to be a 650 winning baseball team the rest of the way. But that's a completely different conversation from what the Indians are. You you can have two truths here. You can have a truth that the Twins, most likely, because this is just the way baseball is, everything kind of evens out, comes back to earth. Generally, everything kind of works its way back toward the middle, and I think that will happen with the Twins to an extent. But they've banked all the wins they've already got now, so that that's in their favor. But the other conversation that's not even related to the Twins, you don't even, I mean, who cares what they're doing right now? It's May. I don't, I really don't give a shit about the standings in May. I don't give a shit about the standings in June or July. When you get to August and September, that's when it matters. But up till then, it's all about how the team that you follow, that you're a fan of, or that you're covering like we are, how they're playing. And right now, they aren't playing like a division winner. They aren't playing like a team that gives you a lot of, of, good feelings that things are going to turn around. And right now, most of that has to come from within. It's not like they're going to make a major trade. It's not like they're going to do something today to fix the offense. And even if they turn things over to Oscar Mercado, who should have been up here a lot sooner than he was, uh, doesn't mean that he's going to be great. Doesn't mean he's going to be anything more than a, a guy that is barely a league average offensive player that brings you value in everything that he does, but he's not a game changer. 
it, it's going to be Jose Ramirez waking up and waiting for that to happen has felt like waiting for you know, who, who knows what. At this point, it's, it's, it's been dreadful to watch this offense on a nightly basis. We spent the last few years wondering, can the Indians, you know, do they match up well with Houston? You know, do they have, you know, the ammo you need? Can they match up with the Yankees and Red Sox? Those teams are loaded. Now, like, I'm not even thinking about those teams. Like, those teams are in a completely separate league, and now it's, you know, I don't know if the Twins will be able to to, to meet that level of talent, but, like, the Indians are in a different stratosphere. Like, this is, like, do they have, can they find a way to scrounge together league average hitting? I don't think so. And see, for me in most things, pretty much in all things, I try to envision what are all the outcomes before you go into it. And I, I generally find myself somewhere in the middle, but I try to envision best case, worst case. Even in my worst case scenarios of what I thought this offense could be, I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Mm-hmm. I thought if everything kind of broke the way it should, when you have two superstars in Lindor and Ramirez, Santana, who is pretty much what you kind of come to expect him to be, which is pretty much what he's been so far, maybe even a little bit better. I thought that they were probably going to hang around middle of the pack offensively. And then, yeah, middle of the pack. I mean, people would be doing backflips down Euclid right now if they could get middle of the pack offense. And how much better would the team look? They are doing backflips down Euclid right now because <laughs> Cleveland got the NFL draft. Ah, uh, that's right. And I there's a tailgate going that's on. That's what we're here to discuss, who they're going to pick last in the first round that year. Uh, hey, you're the one who said they were going, what, 15-1 and one this year? That's right, yeah. And, and I was being realistic. When I made that they would start 15 and up. <laughs> and and you had everyone you had everyone going as you went week by week. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I did. I'm sure just everyone was on the edge of their seat. I just think the terrifying thing to me is there are no solutions. Like they've burned through Hanley Ramirez and Carlos Gonzalez. Yeah. Like Greg Allen has been sent down already. Mercado's up here. You'll give him a shot, but there there's no there's no remedy here. There's no, like, okay, you're going to make a trade at some point, maybe in June, and go get Nicholas Castellanos or someone. Like, he's not going to make up seven games in the standings. He's not going to vault you to Yankees, Astros, Red Sox territory. Like, that, that's not enough. The, and thing, the thing is, like, the offense, the way that it's constructed, it was going to be tough to overcome anybody doing what Jose Ramirez is doing, let alone it actually being Jose Ramirez that's doing it. <laughs> Like, you needed Lindor and Ramirez to be special. Right. And on top of that, you needed everyone else to just kind of hold their own. Well, unfortunately, I mean, what is – every day I, I kind of look at this and I think, well, there are signs that it's happening. There are signs he's coming out of it. And he's, he's not striking out Baltimore. a ton. And he's still walking. And, and, and all these things are happening for him. And it's – but every day you're just waiting and the, everything stays right where it's at. I know he's hit into some bad luck, but it's not like that explains everything. Right. Come on now. I mean, they weren't going to be able to overcome a, a lineup full of guys that were this below average offensively, and they certainly aren't going to do it when it's their stars that are doing it. I mean, thankfully, Lindor has come back and looked every bit pretty much like Lindor you would expect offensively. Everybody else. I mean, the 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 shining star of the offense should not be Roberto Perez looking like an average offensive hitter. They say you come to the ballpark every day and you never know what you're going to see. You might see something for the first time. And yesterday I saw Mike Freeman, a career 162 hitter, batting sixth and playing left field, which he only had one career inning in left field. So that was – I don't know if I'll ever see that again. He's got but a good I was, walk rate this year. I was there. Yeah. Really good walk rate. That's, hey, 
You got to find your silver linings. And, and the thing is, there have been actually some silver linings. They have two star pitchers on the DL right now. Has the starting pitching been whole? I mean, some games, sure, here and there. And Trevor Bauer. Has Bieber looks like the real deal. Uh, and, and Bauer has not been anywhere close to expectations. But I still think most nights the starting pitching is giving you a chance. How are they above 500? The bullpen, they've had some, some hiccups, certainly. But for the most part, they've been pretty they've been solid. Pretty good. I mean, As for, first predicted on the Selvius Godcast. <laughs> for, for all of the concerns that, that were there and all the ways it could have gone bad so far in the first two months, they've been pretty good. So, I mean, if either one of those things were any bit worse than what they are right now, how much worse, worse would this picture look? Now, you could look with a glass half full and say, well, if you get anything offensively and the rest of this continues, then you, you might be a little bit better off, I guess. But you have to hope that the bullpen holds up and right. that the, the, you know, can still continue getting okay outings out of, out of Plutko and, and Jeffrey Rodriguez. I don't know if that's going to continue until you get the rest of your guys back. And even then, I don't know what Mike Clevenger is going to be. I don't know what Corey Kluber is going to be. A lot of question marks there with something that's supposed to be really stable. So, I, like, I've seen this go both ways. In 2012, they were, like, teetering on the edge. They were hanging around in the central race. A few games over 500, and then it just fell apart. They collapsed in August, went 5-24. and 24. And, like, to, to that degree, no one saw that coming. But I think a lot of people could have seen some sort of collapse coming. That team was hanging by a thread. I can see this going either way, too. The, the, the problem is that there's no one fix. There's no – and if you're the front office, you're thinking, all right, well, we can give up, say, like Yu Chang for Castellanos, and he'll help us a little bit. He'll make our lineup more formidable, but that's not going to put us over the top. And then we've just screwed ourselves for next year and, and the years beyond by trading one of our, our best minor league assets. Like, like – do you go all in and trade for Anthony Rendon and Adam Eaton and, and part with McKen? Like, it's, it's getting to the point where you have to wonder if it's worth it to even be buyers. Because you, if you are buyers, you have to be so aggressively on that side of the equation that it's going to hurt you in the long run. And I don't know if this team is like one piece, two pieces away from being a, a legitimate World Series threat. And, and they still might be hanging around the wild card. I mean, you can do what they're doing right now and still be in the wild card picture most years not every year but most years but as we've seen with the volatility of that game in, in firsthand in 2013 you know one even if you have a really good team like the pirates and we've been through this or your teams in the national league have been through this where you have a really good team you run into just one bad game in a, a, a winner take all scenario and you're home and i mean oakland to- went fifth what 55 and 20 in the second half last year and then just Lost right. to the Yankees in the right. season. You just have over. a bad game, yeah. and and then that's it. So making the playoffs, while we always t- stress getting to the dance is important, and giving yourself a good chance to get there and then giving yourself a better chance once you're there, that's all great. But how many how many eggs are you willing to put under the wild card basket? Are you willing to sacrifice part of your future for a 50-50 chance that you're going to win that game? And then that's even getting you to the first round of the playoffs? Something that the front office is going to have to ask themselves. You look at the, what they were forced to do because of the financial constraints, and some things have worked out, some things have not. The one thing you can point to that has not worked out to this point is they spent four or, or contributed four and a half million dollars to Danny Salazar, who, who? is I, I don't know if he's going to pitch. And at the time, I thought that was a good move because if you're if they were giving Danny Salazar four and a half million dollars, they had to feel really good about him pitching. Well, 
They it had hasn't to, worked out. They had to make that decision at the very start of the offseason, and, and too. that hurt, no doubt. But what could they have used that $4.5 million on? You know, was, would Derek Dietrich be in this lineup today if they didn't have to contribute $4.5 million? Could I, I, I wasn't a big Adam Jones fan, but would Adam Jones be in the lineup? You know, who, who would be helping them offensively? Who, who would they not have had, or who would they, could they have plugged in that they didn't have to have Hanley Ramirez and Carlos Gonzalez lottery tickets in the middle of their lineup for a while? Yeah, I think the front office has made some some glaring mistakes. I think they've been handcuffed certainly by ownership, but I, you know, they haven't had. They it seems like they couldn't do anything wrong for a stretch there, and then here they've they've certainly come down to earth. I just, you know, it, it's they're in a tough spot. I think we all agree. Boy, it would have been nice to pull the trigger and trade Corey Kluber over the off season when you had the chance. If you had the, I mean, I, clearly they didn't get the offer they liked. Um, but they, at this point, it's easy to say they probably <laughs> should have settled. You watch Cody Bellinger winning oh. the MVP in the first two months of the season. He's just been incredible. And then you, oh, Alex the Verdugo is hitting like Verdugo, and you know Senzel hasn't worked out to, as kind of expected, but he still looks like a special talent. But they didn't get any of those guys and those offers for for those pitchers. So it'd be easy for us to sit here today and say they should have accepted an offer that they never got. We don't know exactly. We, we kind of heard some rumblings of the Padres kicking in some outfielders. Never crazy about that move. I ever, never was either. So there were some things they did well. I, the the move for the Jan Gomes trade that we kind of pooped on initially looks like it might have been a smart move. And it was not against the move because I didn't think Roberto Perez was going to be able to do exactly what Jan Gomes or even better than what Jan Gomes was doing. It's just I didn't know that they needed to make that trade right then in that mm-hmm. very second for those place, players. But – Jeffrey Rodriguez has helped them out immensely, just being able to step in. And then who knows what Daniel Johnson's going to end up becoming. He looks like a pretty good player down in double-A. But the issue is now you're stuck with Kluber. You're probably stuck with him for the rest of his contract. Well, you have to decide, like, are you going to pick up his option? <laughs> you're picking up the option. I mean, of course you are, well, but like Okay, it's, so tell me this scenario where you wouldn't pick up the but option. But this is a team that's been cutting payroll, and now you're going to have to commit $17.5 million to a pitcher who you don't – Right now, you don't know what Corey Kluber is. Okay, so give me the like, scenario. No, I like think he you, doesn't come back this year. I think you do it. I'm just saying we've seen. You just talked about how the team committed money to a question mark, and it's not working out. This is a question, much bigger question mark in terms of salary for next year. Uh, I mean, I'm not bigger question I would, mark in course, terms of salary. I'm lesser I, I would question pick mark up, in terms of players. Yes, I would pick up the option. I'm just saying there is potential for that to well, be really I just ugly. Let you just throw out bullshit comments and not have you back them up. You didn't let me finish. I have not missed That's you. That's what she said. Anyway, okay, I've missed you. Um, <laughs> but like, you're stuck with him. You're gonna have to trade Bauer at some point, aren't you? You're going to get less for Bauer this winter than you would have last winter. You're going to have to start thinking about that shortstop and what the future is there. Like you're you're going to have to start making some moves and that's why if you decided to be a buyer this summer, it's almost like this is it. This is our one last all-in chips on the table. And this doesn't seem like a team you do that with. No, they have part of it is the team has to give you the they have to give you a reason to have faith in them. I don't have any faith in them right now. That's on them to go out and prove that, that the front office should make those moves now. But, again, I don't, I don't see it right now. And there's not a lot of reason to believe it's going to happen. So, I mean, it's, I, I get where there's frustration. And beyond frustration, I can get why there's probably apathy right now. Yeah. In a year you're hosting the All-Star game. It's, it's not. I mean, we talked about it entering the year, that you, you, you shouldn't have a team with as many stars as they do 
and have the feeling about the team that they that has, was present all throughout the winter. And now you shouldn't be hosting the All-Star game and basically have people just falling asleep in the middle of games because you can't score. It is such a boring product. It is so brutal to watch. Um, and the weather's been crappy. And I, I think I ask every single game, I ask, like, man, why are these people here? I know they love baseball. Maybe they bought the tickets before the season. But it'll be, like, 48 degrees, and the Indians are losing, like, 4 nothing. They have three hits. <sighs> you're, you're all troopers out there. I don't know. I don't. It's so been we, really, really so tough. So we essentially came back to just shit all over everybody. There is good news, though, for the Indians. I feel bad. People were expecting us to come back and make them feel better about their baseball team. No, there's no feeling better right now. But Yandy Diaz will not play in the series. Going to the injured list so the Indians will at least avoid that embarrassment. Yeah, I I was starting to think he was going to start first base for the all-star team in the American League. And that would have been uh, pretty brutal to watch for for Tri fans. If you want good news, I mean, you can say this. Look. Still the middle of May. The Indians will play the Twins 16 more times. Like, you can make up ground there. Um, well, and I why think you don't say that. It, I mean, nothing. I, I roll my eyes at people make these grandiose statements about the way things are going to happen. You don't know anything. In right. Me. You really don't. Um, but it's, it's not. It doesn't look pretty right now. I, no. just, I don't know where the answers are going to come from. I think that's, that's the issue. Well, they have to come from within, and there's just not... Right now, there's not a lot of reason to believe that's going to happen, but stranger things have taken place. Would you like to do a random Indian of the day? Sure, because now I have to go write up an article. Uh, this player played for the Indians part of one season. That season, he part of played for three season? teams. He played 17 games with the Indians. Trinidad Hubbard. No, close, <laughs> kind of. Uh, the year was 2000. He batted 222 with a 691 OPS. Um, he was acquired midseason via trade. The year 2000, you said? Yeah. And when I saw this scroll across on ESPN watching baseball tonight, I that was like the saddest I'd ever been. The saddest you'd ever been? Yeah. Wow. In the year 2000? The year 2000. The year 2000. Uh, I have no idea. So the Indians acquired him in late June, and a month later flipped him in another trade. And I had not realized this. And... I mean, the year 2000 was what, the... David Segui, Will Cordero he trades was, the deadline. He was traded for Segui. Uh, he was acquired a month earlier in a trade that broke my heart. Uh, is this Ricky Lede? Yeah. Ricky Lede. This was the David Justice trade. Yeah, David Justice was my favorite player. Loved his batting stance. Ricky Lede hit 63 homers over a 10-year career. How? How did he keep getting work? Career 243 hitter, 737 OPS. Yankees to the Indians to the Rangers to Philly to the Giants to the Dodgers to the Mets. Career 2.7 more in 10 years. Good for him. Indians could use that in their lineup right now. Badoom. From Puerto Rico. That's not a joke. Well, he is only 45, so 
Just like a year older than Hanley Ramirez. <laughs> oh, boy. Don't give him any ideas. Uh, well, I guess it was fun. Is this one-off? Is this... Uh, we'll see. Should I tell people to subscribe? And no. This was fun. Just Apple keep listening podcasts. to uh, Selby's Godcast wherever you can find it. Leave us a nice review. I did want to mention... Oh, let me find his name. I know his name was Mike. Let me find his Twitter handle. We had a fan who, when we were in Miami, Mike Reed, USN on Twitter, who reached out um, and said, where's my free beer for leaving you a (laughs) five-star review? Appreciate that, Mike. Um, And, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, it's because you were here. No, legitimately, enough people bothered us that we took some time out of our day to do yeah. this. So keep bothering us. Yeah, and it might happen more than once. Who knows? Till then, or maybe forever. Have a nice life.